You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. What's the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, the professor, a.k.a. Tony Dunn, and it is the C3 postgame show where the Carolina Panthers fell 21-18 to in their first preseason game on the road against the Indianapolis Colts. And there is plenty to talk about despite the Carolina Panthers not playing a single starter from what it appears in this game. Maybe a special team starter could have made an appearance in this game. But that's about it. Two turnovers on defense, and Joey Sly continues to not be a Sly of relief. Struggles in this loss. Um, so we appreciate your support of the C3 Panthers podcast live every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. The number is 252-228-5098, where you can be a part of the longest-running Panthers podcast. We'd like to hear your thoughts on today on today's preseason game. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Cody Lashney. I know you got a lot to say today. Oh, I do have a lot to say. And we did see starters because today you watched Brady Christensen kick ass the majority of the day. And I'm doubling down that that's our right tackle, folks. But listen, we have a ton to talk about. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I know you guys are. As always, we have the most lit Panther chat room in all of YouTube. Tim Tizzy, George West. Nick Montiero, my brother, what's up? AJ Lindsay, Supreme Leader, Cephas, Ten Tizzy, The Real Zero Chill, That Kid 91, Tony Dunn. Ain't nothing to it but to do it, baby. Let's roll. CK's in the house. How you doing? Oh, you know, uh, living the dream. I, listen, I know everybody is is looking at this team and saying we have so many problems. You guys got to keep in mind, we destroyed this team at the first half of the game. Um, and the second half, when it was the people that are fighting for a roster spot, is when we fell behind. That was a semi-pro team because a lot of those guys aren't going to be professional football players after the next couple of weeks. Um, so let, let, don't let it get you down, guys. Um, I think we have a lot to talk about. We can, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to bring in some unpopular opinions about this game and, uh, you know, go from there. Uh, don't forget today's show is powered by Volta. Quit taking my banner down, Cody. Own your own energy with Avolta. If you live, if you're a homeowner in North or South Carolina and you want to add equity to your home, 
achieve energy independence, throw some solar panels up there and take advantage of federal and state tax credits. You need to talk to our man, Kevin Brown, solar consultant. You tell him C3 podcast sent you. The number is 704-215-3373. Let's go ahead and jump into this preseason game, guys. Uh, The Carolina Panthers, it looked like a tale of two halves in many ways. The first half, the Carolina Panthers looked pretty decent despite not having any starters in there. P.J. Walker given a full half and for weeks, if not months, and maybe even a year and a half, two years, we have been discussing the potential backup quarterback battle of the Carolina Panthers, and that being between P.J. Walker and Will Greer. We'll start with that. P.J. Walker comes out and starts hot, four for five, uh, hits a long pass to Terrence Marshall Jr. Um, I still don't think Terrence Marshall Jr. is fast as you guys say he is. I thought he should have been going to the house with that. Good Lord, but he did get catch from behind. He does look like an NFL player, and we should be excited about him. P.J. Walker in his debut, what do you think about P.J.? Had some good, started out hot, and then kind of cooled off as the game went along. Did score a touchdown finally to Tommy Trimble, and Steve Smith uh, said that the pass was not intended for him, even though actually it was a good thing that Tommy Trimble hit caught that exactly, pass. Exactly, because it wouldn't have counted. But, yep, because Omar Bayless was all out of sorts, out of bounds in the back of the in, uh, end zone. Tommy right. Trimble and a lot of rookies in there playing, showing their stuff. But let's start with P.J. Walker versus Will Greer. Your thoughts on P.J.'s performance? So, listen, I, I think P.J. kind of had a mixed bag today. We saw the arm talent, as always. We saw that um, moving to his right, he's weirdly very good. Um, he does a good job at keeping his eyes downfield. And he's definitely not afraid to pull the trigger on those throws. The problem was is that he also left a lot on the field, too. Yeah. I, noticed, I noticed a lot of real high overthrows. Um, and there or was behind. Place, yeah, or behind, or it just straight up wasn't um, wasn't a good ball. I think he had good pocket awareness. Um, I liked his field vision, but he just deals with some bouts of inaccuracy. And we saw that last year against the Lions, too. And right. That's why even though he had those two big touchdowns, he also had those two red zone interceptions. So um, it, uh, it was uh, it was up and down from from PJ. Um, again, we'll, we'll talk about Will Greer here in a minute. I kind of wish that they would have done a little more rotating. Um, but I think overall, PJ did okay. But it's not enough to make me feel like, oh, our backup position is good to go. The Panthers are ready. If anything happens to Sam, right. we'll have someone that will be able to come in and, and, and pick it up. Because, frankly, I don't see that from either Will Greer or P.J. Walker right now. I'm okay with P.J. Walker. I think right now I'm comfortable with him being the backup, right? Because if if you get to the point where P.J. Walker is the starter in this uh, uh, this season, then we've we've probably had some a lot of things go poorly. What I like about PJ Walker is continues to show that he's got a he's got the best arm on the dang team at probably like when it just comes to sheer velocity Strength, power yeah yeah um, and he does have that escapability right is uh you know right. is he's got he can make something out of nothing and we saw that happen today on that touchdown pass um so then Will Greer takes over in the second half now uh, we'll start CK with your thoughts on PJ and then just go ahead and move into Will Greer. Um, so first and foremost, PJ Walker continues to show obviously flashes of being able to have a really strong arm. Um, obviously I like some of his, uh, his pocket presence that he was able to escape the, pre- the, the pocket. 
Um, but I also see that he continues to be a poor decision maker, especially in the most important parts, and that is the red zone. We were in the red zone four times, and he failed to make a touchdown except for on one of them, and that was even an accident. You know what I mean? Like, and it was clear that, that he wasn't even looking at Trimble. He was looking at Omar Bayless the entire way. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm not sold. I, I think he's got a strong arm. Um, the majority of the flash that we saw uh, was that Terrace Marshall um, catch, and that was an incredible decision to be able to be, you know, move out of the pocket. But it also was a wide open pass. Like it wasn't like it was a difficult throw to make. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sold on PJ Walker yet. Um, but I'll go right into Will Greer, and this is going to be unpopular. I already see everybody in the in the in the chat room. Our coaching staff failed Will Greer on this game so tremendously. Did you guys see like what happened at all? Like the entire game, like he was dealing with horrible, horrible route running from his receivers. They started out with run every single game, every single, uh, every single time they were uh, on, on every series was started every first down. It was run. Um, They didn't put the ball in his hands. Like when you saw Will Greer uh, or PJ Walker out there, they were trusting him to throw the ball down, down the field. And you know why it's because he had weapons. We didn't have a single person on the field that we could recognize for the entire time that Will Greer was there. So I don't think it's fair to put that 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 comparison yet. Now, if next week Will Greer gets, I mean, which is how they should do it, because I think it is still something that we need to look at. Um, if we look at the the way that it looks at that point in time, you know, next week, if he gets the same, um, like the same, I guess, uh, opportunity that PJ Walker got with playing with the number twos, the true number twos. Then I think we're in a we're in a better spot. I don't think we've seen uh, we have not been given an opportunity with Will Greer to be able to make that judgment. You guys are making this like. Did you guys see how awful our offensive line was there that second half? It was god awful. How many how many times was Will Greer sacked? Zero. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, the false starts were uh, just an example exactly. of you know. And I know that as things got louder. Uh, in that stadium as Indianapolis is mounting that comeback, it makes it more difficult for those guys. The false starts were a problem all game for this uh, for this offensive line. But I, I actually tend to agree with you, CK, is that if anything, the game script did not benefit Will Greer. I, I would actually say benefit is, in my way, it didn't really give us an opportunity did- to see how close the competition truly is. Right, right. Did you notice that the the coaching staff changed their entire game plan the moment the second half came into play? Yeah, like, um, they, and I think the fourth and two play is the example of that, where you run the ball on fourth and two, you go for it again in their territory, and you run the ball, and it's already a long two, right? And on top of that right. is that you don't really – we don't really care about truly getting the first down there. We kind of tr- uh, care, I would think, in seeing and evaluating how Will Greer handles that situation. You did. Uh, I think also we should just remind this is that Will Greer is not one of rules guys, right? right. And this content you continue to see that kind of nepotism, right? Uh, that's been going on. As PJ is Will uh, is a Matt Rule guy. I think there's over ten on the team. Yep. And I'd like to, what surprised me, like uh, like Cody said, is that maybe see some more rotation, uh, particularly with the, the different levels of players, right? Because if you're going to put Will Greer in a situation where he has the worst offensive line with the worst talent at wide receiver, with the worst talent at running back, um, 
it's not it's not necessarily putting him 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 in a position to I guess right. fully evaluate him. But what was kind of stunning to me about that lack of rotation is I felt like when I was watching the training camp coverage that I would see Will Greer's name running with the twos, running with the twos. And it almost seemed like Will Greer was inching into that spot in the training camp. And then they come out and they really uh, give a lot to PJ Walker. I want to, I want to credit PJ Walker though. I think that while you see some of the ups and downs, you know, there were some misplays and lost plays. He did really command the offense in a good way. Right. Right. I felt like he was decisive. I thought that his recognition on a lot of those plays was right. Even though if the throws weren't perfect. Right. Right. So I, I do think PJ Walker at this moment stands ahead of Will Greer. Shout out to who hit us. Who gave us the love bomb? Grim Reaper. Mad shout out to Grim Reaper for the donation to the show. We appreciate it. And we also appreciate um, your support by smashing that thumbs up button, sharing the show with a friend, telling somebody about the longest running Panthers podcast out there, the C3 Panthers podcast. And make sure you join us on Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. and be a part of this conversation. We appreciate the donation, Grim Reaper. And we also appreciate y'all's support and participation in the chat. You can call into the show at 252-228-5098. All right, so maybe do you wonder, do you think that the Carolina Panthers may flip things up next week, or do you expect? I think they have to. Will, yeah, like I think that either. I almost want to see PJ play quarter one, Will Greer play quarter two, PJ play quarter That's three. That's what I thought was going to happen. That today. they should have done that. Like yeah, that was my expectation. Like, and, and people want to talk about, like you can use this as a reason to say that Will Greer is third string. The depth chart, the coaching staff has not even named a third string quarterback yet. They've got them both listed as second string. So you can't even give them that. I think that's why next week we're going to see Will Greer have an opportunity with the twos um, as opposed to what we saw this year. I mean, this week, which is all, uh, uh, you know, P.J. Walker. Um, I, I don't think it's an over. Do I think P.J. Walker is probably a better option? Yeah, but I don't think it's fair to Will Greer to say that this was his fault. I think uh there was a lot of failure. Like he was failed on a lot of different levels from this team and the coaching staff this second half. Um, again, just keep that in mind. And you guys can talk about how PJ Walker went up against their twos and he still did well. Again, name a wide receiver on our team that was up there in the second half that you thought, oh man, yeah, this guy can this guy could possibly make the team. Not a single one. Well, actually, I think the the scarier part would be the offensive linemen that were in front of him. And how are any of those guys going to make the team? They were jumping at everything uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, Let's go on and move. Let's move to another sad story on this team. Joey Sly comes out uh, and really looked good to start the game, it felt like. Right? Comes out, hits a couple of field goals right in a row in the beginning. And then as soon as he had that one field goal that – Barely got in where it was, it almost looked, I don't even know how you could, where the the referee looked at the other one and said, I don't know what, what he saw, <laughs> right? And they call it good. It was technically good. Then he misses an extra point after that, misses a field goal after that. Um, Joey Sly, we really, we put a lot, I think, of um, confidence into him going into this season. And I don't think the fan base did necessarily. But what I mean by that, there's no other kicker on the team. 
right? Yeah. And so jo- Joey Sly goes out there and in a kind of a, a moment he needs to really continue to show that he has more than potential but could be a plausible player, kicker, or plausible option for this team. Really struggled down the stretch in this game. Your thoughts on Joey Sly? I think that it's honestly kind of ridiculous that we didn't bring in any competition to put him or, or to, to put with him, to push him. And uh, I mean, we did that for just about every other position, but there's no legitimate, um, you know, guy fighting for that battle uh, with Joey Sly. And we did that even with Graham Gano. When Graham Gano had those bad years, we were bringing in guys to push him. Um, I think you're definitely going to see the Panthers look to bring in some kickers. And I've been saying this since last year, man. I don't believe in Joey Sly. Straight up, I just don't. I never have. I think that he misses too um, inconsistently, or he misses very consistently, rather, from short distances. I mean, from, you know, the 40-yard line closer to the end zone. I just think he's not clutch. And, I mean, it, it used to be you should feel comfortable about making an extra point after you get a touchdown. Well, I don't think we're ever going to feel comfortable with Joey Sly kicking extra points consistently. And I've been saying that too. Maybe he can somehow, uh, you know, turn this around, but I don't know. I'm just not a big believer in Joey Sly. I think right now that's one of the biggest holes on our roster right now. Um, His inconsistency is a problem. And I can very easily see uh, Joey Sly losing us some close games like he also did last year. Right. Right. I wanted to, uh, I think I've been, um, CK was originally the highest on Joey Sly. Yeah. Right. To start. I think that uh, I became uh, the least lowest on him over time. Right. I thought that he was actually, uh, you know, a decent, an okay option in comparison to what we've, you know, we've always had that sort of inconsistency since we lost uh, John Casey. Yeah. Right. Um, I didn't think it was any more inconsistent than Graham Gano last season at points. But I think, um, you know, the team put a lot of, conf- uh, you know, I guess responsibility on him going into this preseason game. What and I got to, be- I don't think that right now I'm getting lower and lower on Joey Sly each moment. Let me ask you this. What is it about this game that made you not happy with Joey Sly? Uh, well, I think first is that um, the extra, the 34 yard or whatever, 40 yeah, yard the, the kick extra that he point, missed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the extra point. I think that was the first one. I think the, um, I, the miss 63, I'm, I, you know, I'm, t- yeah. I'm starting to get to the point where the, uh, is that I've, I excused the 63 yarders, the 65 yarder last year, just because of distance. And this year uh, in this game, I thought I, it was just another example of him just not coming through. Yeah. Right. And I, mean, I think it, the pressure is mounting. And we talked about how he had a sports psychologist over the season. And, right. and somebody said, anytime you get a sports psychologist, you're screwed up. Then at that point, it's too late to be fixed. And right now I'm just saying this is I haven't seen anything out of Joey Sly that makes me feel good at this yeah. point. No, I mean, that one last thing, that last field goal that he made, he barely made that too. I mean, they even, but, said, on, they even said down the commentary, it, it, it barely went in. But I again, I, I don't think it was, I don't think it was as close as people. I think the angle made it. Yeah, look yeah, a little right. to, answer CK's, to answer CK's question directly. I think Joey Sly's problem is his power. And I think you've even said before that Pat McAfee has mentioned, like, if you have a big leg, 
yeah, you might be able to kick a piss missile, right. but your accuracy is going to decline because of it. It's also similar to like when a, you have a big arm quarterback that doesn't know when to lay off the power. I, I kind of think that his power messes up his trajectory. Right, right. And I think that has been a consistent problem of, of his throughout his time here. Right. Like, obviously, I'm hoping that he can get better, but it's like, dude, there's a saying, hope in one hand and shit in the other. I just don't think we've seen enough advancements from Joey Sly to, to feel confident about him. Right. I think the Panthers need to be actively looking uh, for uh, another kicker or at least someone that can compete with him. I think so, too. I think that that's something that um, it should have always been from the beginning of camp. There should have been a competition of some sort. Because I like, you know, Cam says it best. I mean, competition breeds the best in, in, in people. Like you're gonna get either you're gonna get somebody who's better or not. Like, and you're gonna find out who you want on your team based on that. I agree hundred percent. Um, here's the reason I, I asked that question is because he did miss that extra point that was again, you could talk about it was an extra point, but it was with a ten yard uh, you know, uh penalty because of a holding call that had taken place. Um and uh but it's still he missed it. And you know, hands down he missed it. That part's done. Um, the other part is he missed the 63 yarder, which again, it's, I agree with Tony. He didn't come through on, on another kick that could have very well, uh, given us a nice little edge going into the, uh, into the halftime, but it didn't happen. So, you know, nonetheless, 63 yard, can you still forgive it? I think so to a degree. Um, now the part that I agree, I think like he was very close to missing two of these field goals that were counted as, uh, and, and again, very close or close. I mean, we can. Uh, until we see camera angles, it's hard to say. I think it, you know, I tend, lend, tend to lean towards what Tony was saying, which is I don't think it was as close as people probably were thinking. Um, but at the same time, you can't sit here and blame him for almost missing. It's the exact same thing. People were jumping on my throat, down my throat, because uh, I was saying that Dante Jackson's interceptions weren't as impressive because he was throwing the ball wide open out in the middle of an open field, and he was just good as a wide receiver. Well, you can't blame him for being able to, you know, for being in the right spot at the right time. You can't blame just, you know, Joey Sly for making a uh, a kick, even if it was close to missing. Same concept. So uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it was actually how he responded after the almost missing. Right. That was kind of disheartening. Like, it seemed like, all right, now it's in his head, right? Is that eats now all of them. It's, a, you know, the first one's like right down the middle. And then as soon as he gets a difficult one, it's kind of hard to snap out of it. I've always said kickers uh, don't lose you the game, right? Right. Like when you put all the pressure on them, like I, I think uh, a good example is that like with the games last year that we could have won if Sly hit those those long uh, field goals. They don't lose you the game, but they have the opportunity to win the game for you, right? They got the opportunity to be the hero at that moment. And right now we're starting to question if – Joey Sly has got the fortitude or the mental fortitude at this point, um, or just even the consistency. We, you know, that's what we're looking for there. Let's switch over to the defense, guys. Oh, actually, one thing, Rich Kingston. I know you're out of the in, in another country, so if it's easier for you to record an MP3 and email it to me at CarolinaCatChronicles at gmail.com, I can get you on the show. The number's two five two. 228-5098. We'd like to hear your thoughts um, on this initial preseason game and what you saw. Um, let's switch over to the defense, guys. We didn't see any of the defense that's going to be playing on the in week one. Not a single player. There was uh, on the, instantly disagree. On the defense, who is the guy? 
I, if you say so, Christian Miller, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my no, mind. No, you're Terrell Gross Milos. I think so. Listen, no. at the end of my Friday free for all, I said the two players that I really wanted to see a big day from. I think I saw it from both of them today. I, I think I saw it from Brady Christensen, and I think I saw it from the Terrell Gross Milos. Right. I, I think uh, you know Steve Smith even mentioned it all on the broadcast that Detroit Gross Matos has all the physical gifts and the physical abilities. He's just continuing to put it all together. And I think that you started to see that more with him. I think he had an aggressive speed rush today. He mm-hmm. looked good coming around the edge. He had a good enough bend. I still he, made think he, he made one no, play. He made one play, and you're sitting there going there. And so- there was a few times that he blew up that offensive line on the right side, and, and, and he really did impact the play. Now I do think that he needs who's he going to gonna start over there? Maneuver, Morgan Fox. But th- th- Morgan that's Fo- the thing. Th- th- does that does Morgan Fox do anything for anyone? To me, your Turgos Matos has far more potential than Morgan Fox does. And I'm not saying that it was perfect. I still think it is to develop. But I think YGDM had a damn good day today, and I don't think that he was, um, you know, one of the the weaker points of our D line today by any stretch of the imagination. Right. I mean, so here's here's the thing is on Twitter, you'd ask the question, do we think that Uter, you know, Uter Grossmeadows made a movement up the depth chart? I don't think that's possible because you haven't seen like you can't beat somebody until you've seen the other person. Like we could sit here and say that he played such a really good game this time, but we haven't even had a chance to compare it to what Morgan Fox is capable of doing. You know, so I'm interested to see what that's going to look like. Um but, uh, you know, and I'm hoping next week we get a better sense of it. If Morgan Fox comes in and is a non-factor, then 100%, I agree. I think Yatur Grossmatos, you know, is absolutely going to be able to, you know, take that spot away from him. But uh, until I see it, I'm, I, it's hard for me to say that I'm all in on the idea of him, you know, rotating into the one spot. I am not down on YGM. That's not what I'm saying. But I don't know necessarily if what he did today gives me enough confidence right away to say he's not that he's more than a rotational player at this point. Right. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe he will become that if he gets the opportunity, Morgan Fox did have a pretty decent year with the Rams last year. Right. So, um, and he didn't play today, right. We got some insight onto what the staff believes are the guys that are making this team regardless of anything today. And I'm not saying that YGM is in, in question, but if oh, Morgan, the if they, man. yeah, but if, but Morgan Fox is too, right? And, um, and so it, it kind of will depend on what formations we're running, right? Right? Are we in the three four? Are we in a four three? Those types of things. And, and yes, you know, um, YGM has come out and said that he has been working on his power game, right? And that is, that's important, right? He's put on weight and he's trying to become a power rusher. And that's smart. Uh, because that's what you need on the other side of Brian Burns, right? Right? Did you guys see Brian Burns, Christina, Christina Balbo, Balboni, interviewing yeah. him? Somebody get her a damn step stool, please. This poor girl had to hold her arm up like she was holding a dang, uh, yeah, I don't she know, like uh, some kind of torch. Yeah, she might have pulled her tricep muscle. Yeah, she <laughs> yeah, got to be like five foot one on a good day. Yeah, she's yeah. Uh, she, she's pretty short. Taylor Moten too. Taylor looked like a like a giant next to her. But to, at Taylor some point, Moten. I do want to work around back to the offense. But yeah. we will. We are. We're not done with the offense yet. But let's go ahead and get to our first call of the post game show. Don't forget that the cat calls 
are powered by Avolta. Own your own energy, fixed rate for life, no money down, achieve energy independence. If you're a homeowner in North or South Carolina, you can take advantage of this. Tell Kevin Brown that uh, we sent you. And the number is, hold on, I should have it up already. I don't know what the number is. I should know the number by heart by this point. 704-215-3373. That's 704-215-3373. Tell Kevin, a Panthers fan, we sent you and say, hey, we like YGM. Or at least Cody loves YGM. And I am. I am very high. I'm not trying to be down on it. But I don't think that what we saw today uh, just uh, says he's going to start from day one. All right. Shows potential coming forward. 252-228-59. Thoughts on catcalling. Yeah, it's pretty you shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels good. Like Who's that cat sitting in the back corner with his face buried in his nose? Who's that kid that can use one? The sound is gone. How is the sound gone? No, I hear through. It. Okay. Let's see. I don't hear the uh, I don't hear the call. Oh, I haven't started yet. Oh, yeah. Guys, it's Richard England. First time in ages I've called in. Um, Rich! I hope you're all well. Good to see you. I'm, I've watched live. All right. Uh, where were we? Yeah, Joey, Joey Sly is overthinking it. Um, I used to kick goals playing rugby. Um, he's got a big leg, and when you kick through the ball, it kind of makes it go slightly to the left, like you saw on the 63-yarder. So for accuracy, he's clearly decided to sort of open his body out. And he just pushed those two kicks. But you can't have that. Anyway, he's gone. Um, yeah, Will Grit. Will Grit, I thought, had quite a good pocket presence. Um, you watch a couple of those and he escaped quite nicely. But whether he's got anyone to, to throw to or not. Um, I thought a few of the guys, I thought uh, Stan, Stanley Thomas Oliver, yes. number th- uh, showed up pretty well today. He got He gave away a couple of throws on the first two. Of the very first drive, but I think he was playing in uh, zone. But he broke that one up brilliantly on, I think, their second drive, where he went for the ball and knocked it out. And his tackling, that's another thing. I'd just like to say today, I thought the tackling of our secondary was really good. Um, that's something to really note, because uh, that's been a real weakness, and it looks like that might well be something they've worked on. So have a look at that. See what you think. I think as a, as a thingy, that, that was great. Um, uh, yeah, there's there's good. The safety guy came in and, and pinged it. So yeah, there's uh, on the sack on third down. So yeah, I think I think their open field tackling was really good today. Um, our our guys that started the game, the edge rushers. So the guys that aren't first team but are clearly almost first team players. I mean, our edge rush. I think our edge rush is going to be monstrous if we can hold up in the middle. And talking of the middle, Phil Hoskins in that third string stuff was absolutely dominant, more so than Nixon and Roy were. So that's an interesting little twist. Is that the big uh, snack I'm trying to get guy? a lot in here in yeah, the Yeah, big um, But yeah, our edge rush, I mean, Frankie, Frankie Louvu, Miller, uh, Marquis Haynes. Marquis Haynes, Marquis Haynes is a first-team player who comes in in sub-packages. Yeah, And he absolutely Haynes. monstered them today. He was virtually sucking the guy every single time. Um, anyway, so no, some positives. Not sure about the coaching. I mean, the fact that we're kicking field goals all the time, Maybe we should at least try for four, on fourth down in the preseason. You know, what was the point in trying to win, trying to kick field goals to win when we lost anyway? 
you know, surely this is practice. Pre-season is practice. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. And lastly, Matt Rock treating everyone like children with his don't beat yourself, run to the line and tap it. Well, where the fuck was that today? Seriously, how many? I mean, three penalties in a row for false start. Uh, the man wants to train to, to coach kids. I, I've, I've always been a bit skeptical with his approach, and I'm not entirely convinced. All right, that's uh, thanks for the call, Rich. And, and again, Rich, anytime you want to call in to save a buck from across the pond, you can just email me the voice file at carolinacatchronicles at gmail.com. And this season, we'll be working in the Discord and some things another way that you guys can be a part of it. The Discord link is in the show notes. Um, where do you want to start with that call? Is that I think we've talked about Joey Sly, is that we kind of seen, I think we're seeing what Joey Sly is, right? Um, and I actually, I agree with him. I thought the defense, the f- second team defense has some players on it, yeah. right? You said YGM. Uh, I was, I've inter- I was interested in seeing what Bravion Roy would do uh, because he was kind of successful for last year. Right. And I think that he could be a, a nice rotational piece there. Marquise Haynes, who has been on this team for a minute, Right. I mean, Marquise Haynes has been, he's kind of, uh, a lot of people have uh, kind of compared him to a Mario Addison type player, a guy who is going to come into his own, you know, a little, like a late bloomer of a type player. Had a big strip strip sack today, was getting pressure continuously around the edge. Um, And Stanley Thomas Oliver, another person that was, people were high on. I thought he played pretty, he, he played very well today. I thought that Sam Franklin made some decent plays. That one big um, stop in the in the backfield. Chandler, Chandler, I think it's yeah, Chandler. Sean Chandler, yeah, yeah, yeah fantastic Chandler, play. Yeah, he fantastic read that very play. well. He that was a perfectly timed uh, blitz, um, and that's that's like that's what I see. Like that first half, if that's any indication of what Phil uh, Snow has in store for our defense, I think we're going to be happy with where our defense is. Um, I, I think I think our weakest part from a coaching standpoint um, is, you know, and I know this is going to be unpopular with Cody. I think it was great um, for a minute, but I think it was Joe Brady. I think Joe Brady became um, less, uh, less explosive or less. He became too conservative as the game went on. He was very explosive and very risky early on. But he he got way too conservative as the as the game continued. I do think it's important to remember that we should expect vanilla offenses in the preseason right. period. Right, right. You're yeah. not going to show. In fact, and we proved this right away last year because um, I think I came out throwing bullets at Joe Brady at the beginning in, in the preseason last year, right. saying, "What's the difference? What's the difference?" You know. Um, and and then we did see more and more creativity being unleashed through you know in different phases throughout the season. Um, one thing I thought was interesting: they're running RPOs with dang Will Greer, but not with PJ Walker. So stupid. <laughs> it's strange. That was strange. But um, all right. Uh, anything else uh, on the call uh, that you want to address? Yeah. So one, uh, let's talk about coaching for a second. One, when Troy Pride got hurt. That was 100% on Matt Rule. And I have no problem putting that on Matt Rule because the the play previous, Troy Pride had went down and he was hurt. And you can tell that he was banged up. And they just marched him right back out there. And I don't know if you guys watched that whole thing, but, like, Troy Pride, like, fainted behind the end zone. Yeah, while he passed out. Like, 
Yeah, it was a whole whole thing. It got right. kind of where the hell was the court? Kind of, well, it got kind of scary there at the end. They brought it out at the very end, and he was able to sit down on it. But yeah, I thought that was on Matt Rule. I felt like they should have just taken Troy Pride out at that point in time. But those um, were two separate injuries. Yeah, right? one was a. It looked like a hand on the first one I saw someone say. So that I don't think it or, was any. And it was actually two plays later that I think he yeah. got hurt. I felt um, like I felt like personally, and this you know, call me crazy, but Troy Pride got beat that first one. Like it's he no got two smoked ways about it. all he game, bro. He got beat. And it felt to me that first time he went down was uh, to take away from the the embarrassment of being beat. Like, I don't know that he was actually hurt. Like, I, I felt agree. like when I watched him go down, I'm like, I mean, I could see maybe he landed on his ribs. Maybe the breath was knocked out of him or something like that. But I also, my mind went straight there. Like, I don't know if this guy's actually hurt or if he's just trying to save face in the middle of like being beat, you know, just flat out being beat. The last, the neck, that last one, that was a knee injury, and I thought that he was in a decent position. Um, and and that that wide receiver made an incredible catch, and I was almost concerned that he was doing it again. But then I like when I saw him immediately grabbing his knee, I'd like I was like, yeah, this dude's definitely not lying there. Um, I don't know that he was hurt that first play, if I'm being honest. I, I right. still wouldn't have put it, man. I, I didn't think that it was um, that it was. This happened you know, to somebody else last year too. Was it Troy Pride that it happened to in the preseason last year as well? There was, a, and then, been. and I remember you, Cody, saying, I think he shouldn't have played him, trotted him right back out there. It's almost like I've had deja vu of this conversation. We've had this conversation before. Maybe so. I mean, listen, I don't think he's going to make the team. I think a bunch of other players that kind of stood out today, yeah, much bigger than him. I think Stanley Thomas Oliver had a really good day. Um, you know, big snack, as, as was mentioned in the. Uh, in the call, had a good day. And then Marquise Hands, too. Another thing that we got to remember, and I think Sideshow Rob pointed this out earlier, is that the guy's a 30-year-old linebacker already. You know, he, he's already kind of up there in age. Um, mm-hmm. If he's going to do something for us, it needs to happen now. You know, we need these guys to turn it on and to look good. And, um, you know, uh, CK mentioned Joe Brady. Uh, I also think that whenever Joe Brady has – a hesitant quarterback under center, you're you're never going to be able to see the true dearth of what Joe Brady is right, doing. Right. And you know, uh, again, like uh, I, I'm just I've never been a big believer in, in Will Greer. I think he's had too many chances, too many opportunities. I think right now the fact that he didn't start over PJ Walker is an indictment on his skill. I can also go back years and look at all the players that he hasn't beat out. He's never beaten out PJ Walker. Kyle Allen, Allen, Taylor Taylor Heineke, Hurt Cam Newton. I mean, and essentially he was drafted to be the backup plan in case Cam Newton got hurt in that 2000, I believe it was 18 or 19 season. So I don't know. I just, I don't think Will Weir is very long for this football team. Yeah, I I think is that he's, is the competition not getting closer at this point. Right. And in some of that can be situational. I think CK brings some good points about that up. Now, uh, let's flip back over to the offensive line before I'm mean, at the offensive side of the ball before we hit the next call. Yeah. Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard got a lot of work in this game and yeah. really started it off poorly, I thought. Um, or unexceptionable, unexceptional uh, to begin with. I thought he struggled in the beginning, fell down on a play. Um, didn't show anything fantastic in the beginning, but then on was it a third down or a fourth down play? It was a third a down run that was a, looked to be stuffed right yeah. away 
bounces it and takes it like 60 yards, you start to see some of the, I guess, uh, what the coaching staff wants out of them. I thought they fed him the ball a lot. And then you also saw in a fourth down play, they threw the ball to him and he didn't catch it. Right. And that actually led to the 63 yard field goal attempt by Joey Sly, which would have been shorter. And I'm not using that as a defense of Joey Sly. What do you think of uh, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard's initial performance? I drafted him in my fantasy league late because we're a dynasty league. So you're trying to find gems late down the road that somebody who can become something, maybe not this year, but down the road or with the opportunity. Your thoughts on Chuba Hubbard's first appearance? I'll let so, you go, Cody. Yeah, I kind of echo the sentiments of the chat going here. Uh, my man needs to get on the jugs machine. I, I mean, really, if he wants to make a team, I think there's no better way to ingratiate yourself to a team and by showing you can also catch passes. And I think that he definitely dropped a lot of passes today. Right. But listen, I also can't lie. That man showed up in a lot of big ways. And I think today was a good first step for him. He showed a lot of effort and not letting that play die and breaking off a huge play. And he was known for doing that kind of stuff in college. Um, and if we can kind of emulate that same success for him here, but also have certain specific downs and specific packages where Chuba is incorporated into our game plan, I think that would be awesome. Uh, you know, you're also not running him into the ground. Um, I, I do think that as time goes on, he's going to continue to fight to take that uh, number two running back spot away from Reggie Bonifon. Um, and I, you know, I'm in, I'm excited to see his progress because I do think he's a powerful runner. He runs very strong. He doesn't have breakaway speed, not even like what Christian McCaffrey has, but he does have power. He can bowl you over. He does definitely have to get better at catching passes, and that's something I hope to see him improve on. But I think today, overall, if I had to rank good or bad, I would say Chuba Hubbard had a good day. Like right. he, he accounted for more positives than he did for negatives. And I also think PJ, uh, PJ Walker missed him a few times too. And he dropped the ball, no, no doubt. Had a touchdown but, taken away. Yeah, and he had an extra, uh, he had an extra point taken away. Or no, it wasn't. The t was it the t yeah, maybe it was, it was the two point conversion? Yeah, it was the two, two point yeah, conversion two point that conversion. was taken the, away. The part that I like it to to kind of he had that sixty yard run, right? Yeah. All right. Do you guys know what his stat line? If you took that one play out of there, what was three uh, twenty four yards probably? Uh, twenty one yards on six carries. He's. I mean, it wasn't great, right? But I think it also. Uh, when you look at some of that, like our offensive line wasn't really doing him a lot of favors on the run game. Um, so he wasn't really getting a lot of giant holes. And even that one big run he had to create by moving to the outside. Uh, that was very kind of a, a patient way of handling that, I think. But um, I, like I said, I think that like we look at those 60 yard runs and we're like, oh my gosh, this guy. I mean, I was watching that and I'm like, I, I, I just. I thought he did a great job getting outside, but I don't think that when I saw the other plays, I don't feel like he was a game breaker. I, thought I think it was he a, was nervous. I think yeah. he was nervous to right. start. He fell down. You know, he's kind of, is that the first run he got, he didn't break outside or, or he couldn't get very much on the outside. I right. think he was nervous. And after he busted that long one, he started what I thought I, it felt like to settle in. Right. right. 
And what I mean by that is there's two other plays that showed that to me. One was the two point conversion play, which was a, a nice run where they had no chance of getting them. The second one was, is he broke another one up the left side where he made a decisive one cut and go right that I felt was pretty good. Um, I thought the, the coaching staff gave him the ball, a lot of opportunity here. And I think that they are clearly invested in him and they see a lot. Now you guys bring up a lot of people I saw said, well, um, Reggie Bonifant should be the number two. Right. I've, I've pe- seen people seeing this. I think Bonifant, I didn't see him play today. He, he got and hurt I th- in the last practice. I think he's dealing with an injury. Yeah. yeah and I think yeah. that that's why I think we would see something a little different. And they said, hey, let's give uh, Hubbard the reps here. Um, any other thoughts on that before we go to the next call? Mm, no, not on that specifically. I want to talk about right. this line. Yep. That's what we're going to after this call. Let's see if they lead us in or, um, what we got to do. What up, C3? It's your boy, Mike, a.k.a. What up, Mike? Out here on the road. Um, I was listening to the game while out here trucking, and uh, I think you guys hit all the points. Um, now, let's, let's not freak out, Panthers. All right? All my fellow Panthers out there in the Panther Nation, let's not freak out twos and the threes that are playing, okay? Now, I would like to see, I do want to see the ones at least dress up for the next game and play like one series. I just need one series. You know, give those guys something to kind of look up to and, uh, you know, the extra motivation to make the team. Because it was looking pretty bad there towards the end. Um, one thing I want to mention, my boy Steve Smith, they need to make this man a commentator slash analyst, whatever, next year for the regular season, or at least every preseason. But I want him in the regular season. This man has me dying in. It was that personal foul towards the end of the second quarter. That unnecessary roughness that got us in the field goal territory, but we can do shit with it. Um, this man was like, you know what that penalty was for? Being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Pants Pride do I die, y'all? Steve Smith was. Steve Steve Smith was a sensational a, a sensation among Panthers Twitter. Among that was uh, his conversation um, about that. Uh, my favorite was the play before Troy Bride, Pride really got hurt. He said that I think that what got hurt there, remember when CK said that he looked like he was injured uh, to save a little face, is Steve Smith says what got hurt there was his pride. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was a good one. And then the taunting call, which I, um, I'm with you, Cody. I saw you tweeting about this. Uh, is that that I, I wasn't feeling the taunting call despite right. it benefiting us. It didn't even seem mm-hmm. that much. He, unless now they are big on what you say specifically, right? Right. And if you use the N word, that's going to be a penalty no matter what, right? I mean, if they hear that, 
that they're going to throw that. So I don't know what he said, but it didn't look over crazy to me. So is that what right. it was? It, it, was it was the penalty no. for him saying the N word? No, 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 no. I'm saying this is that it, is that like to said. me? Yeah, we don't know what was said, because but if I it was just was him like, celebrating, that yeah. wasn't enough for me to be that. Right. Particularly right. after him dragging this pile for whatever yards. Is it? I would do you be, think is it because like, and I feel like there were moments where we were on the opposite end of this, where we were doing this and they didn't call it. Where like I'm wondering if it has to do with like standing over top of him, looking down, and you know just flexing out on him. Um, I didn't like, even feel like it was that though. It didn't really it look was, like much. It to was me. it was for a split second. That's exactly what he did, which is what okay. I thought maybe it was. But you can't do that. You're, so it might have been that. You know, but that that still is such a small thing. Like uh, I'm so, like even when you think about the interception, like when we run back and we you know go into the end zone and flex and you know, things like that. How is that any better? Like, I just, I think that it's, it should be allowed. I, this is a game of, of, of physicality and emotion. I don't know why these guys are, are making this such a, uh, a premise. Does, I mean, every person in the player or in the, in the NFL wants to play like that. And, and the only people who care about it otherwise are the officials or the owners, whoever's, you know, making these decisions. I don't get it. Steve Smith was a sensation in this game, and he uh, then busted into a conversation after that moment about how he would be homeless if uh, these taunting rules were in place when he yeah. was a player. Steve Smith talked more junk than anybody. Right, right, right. Is that he would have been? He would have been out of the. He would have been ejected from every game he was in. Uh, he was great, and Steve Smith uh, is really kind of uh, just been skyrocketing up the media chain over the past couple of years, making uh, a lot, you know, a lot of um, hay on the NFL network. And then he's given this opportunity only for the preseason, I believe right. is where his contract is with the Carolina Panthers. But today, if, if you want to say he showed out in his first appearance, I, I thought he was darn good. And it's that brutal honesty that people like, dude. And <laughs> did he really call him scam Darnold? Did he I really say scam Darnold? No, I didn't hear no, it. Yeah, no, he I, didn't. I think, I, I, yeah, I just don't trust people. Yeah. Uh, but he did say that he has to prove he has to prove himself, and that was true. And sure. that's why we love Steve Smith, because he keeps it real 100% of the bro, time. Yep, and bro. that's that, why we like him. It's not even that he's like a trained broadcaster. Like, yeah, he's almost like a podcaster like us. Like, there are times when he'll be fumbling over his words and he'll say the yeah. wrong thing sometimes. But why people love him is because he will just 100% say what's on his mind and say Bruh. what really just happened. Even if it's his own team, the <laughs> Panthers are getting fucking destroyed. Uh, he's going to call it out, too. That At the Omar end of the game, he was like, I, he was like, yo, my flight is not built for overtime, y'all. He was ready to get the hell like, out yeah, of here. Yeah, we need, yeah, we need to get out of here. Uh, bro, like the, the funniest thing the entire time was that Omar Bayless penalty when he was uh, hit when he wasn't even going after the ball. Um, like Steve Smith said, you know why he got the penalty there? I'm talking about the Colts player. He's like, because he's stupid. Oh, yeah, that's what uh, <laughs> that's what Mike was talking about. Yeah, I mean, um, he says what's on his mind. He says what he means, and he means what he yeah. says type thing. And we do kind of like that unfiltered yeah. insight to a degree. Now, you know, I mean, you don't want it to be out of control. The people who don't are exactly the people like it's the exact same people that won't put Pat McAfee in a booth. Um, they want 
They want things to be clean and concise. And it, it's, it's these, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, it's the old whites, as Pat McAfee would say. They don't want somebody in there who's not, you know, who's not, uh, you know, filtered, who's not going to be, you know, very uh, level-headed. They want somebody who is going to be, you know, go by the book. You, you This is how broadcasting is supposed to go, and that's what they want. Uh, you know, and I'm glad Steve Smith is definitely well, not that because well, that was much more thing, entertaining. Another point about that that I that I enjoyed about this broadcast from Steve Smith was similar to when Tony Romo does a broadcast. Mm-hmm. Is like their knowledge; they know football enough. Like t- Tony Romo explains football very well to people who don't know football perfectly, right? Like, I mean, he can tell you why these decisions are made. And I won't say Steve Smith was X and an O in it like uh, Tony Romo does. But what he did is that he attributed a lot of that jumping on the offensive line. He almost talked about the psychology of what these players were going through in these moments Mm -hmm. to and how it was affecting their play. Right. And and so I thought that that was a pretty cool point as he said, look, the you know, is that you saw what happened on those last two plays. That's why this offensive lineman jumped. Now, let's go ahead and jump into this jumpy, jumpy offensive line. Um, The Carolina Panthers did not play any of their starters today. It appears on the offense, even though I know Cody Lashley's going to say we saw one of them. We saw one of them. I believe that this. A uh, team is interested in starting Cam Irvin somewhere on this line. Um, so when it comes to your thoughts on the offensive line, how do you guys feel? Trent Scott, a guy that a lot of people have been saying that people are sleeping on. He played pretty well last year. He struggled today. Uh, Brady Christensen, like Cody said, seemed to have a pretty good offering in his de- debut and I thought the is it Deontay Jones or uh, Deontay Jones or Brown, Brown. whatever the, the giant guy Brown. Yeah, Brown. I thought he played uh, pretty well in the middle there. What did you guys see on this offensive line that stuck out to you? Anything encouraging, discouraging, or a little of both? Yeah, listen, I gotta jump in on this. And listen, you know me. If I'm set in my opinion and I think that I see <clears> something. <throat> Dude, I'm ready to die on this hill, man. I I think one of the reasons why they continue uh, or why this whole entire preseason game, they played Brady Christensen a ton on the offensive line. And I think that Brady Christensen had a really good day at right tackle today. He had a few bad plays, uh, specifically on the touchdown to Tommy Tremble. He definitely got beat on that play. But overall, he has an elite get-off. He is never beaten around the edges. Um, his punch has certainly gotten better than it was. And I think he is continuing to show himself as somebody that's going to push to play right tackle this year. Another bit of evidence in my corner is that when Kristen Balboni was interviewing Taylor Moten, the majority of their conversation was his, his preparation on potentially moving to the left side of the offensive line. I think that the this is what the coaches want to do. And the reason why I love this preseason format is because it does give the game more than just a preseason feel. Like you have a bunch of ones and twos that are essentially playing the entire game. They're getting a full playbook. That, you know, there's there's more of a script that they're trying to follow. And we got to see a ton from our depth today. 
which is going to be our our meaningful you know right. backups going into the season. Now these guys have gotten even more reps. They're going to continue to get more going forward. I personally love this idea of um you know doing preseason this way. I you know I know everybody wants to play the starters and everybody wants to see them, but uh, you know I, I think you know, later on in week three that's when we're going to really see our starters. But I'm telling you, man, our coaches want to put Brady Christensen at right tackle and Taylor Moten at left. And I don't know if it's going to happen. Well, then what's Cam this- Irvin? They like Cam Irvin, dude. Where's he going to play? I don't know. I, they I, like I Cam know. Irvin. Just because you saw Brady Christensen out there playing pretty well today does not mean they dislike Cam Irvin. I think that they... I think of anything is that if you're right with Moten on the left, I think Cam Irvin's going to be starting right tackle. I, I can even see a scenario where Cam Irvin is the starting left tackle and Moten is on the right tackle spot, and they are getting him in there in case something happens. Cam yeah. Irvin thus far has not been very impressive in practice. Uh, all the reports are, and apparently he's dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, again, listen, I feel the same way about Cam Irvin that I felt about Russell Okun. They're injury-prone, and they're not really good enough to play left tackle. And I think that... Russell Okun was good enough to play left tackle, dude. He played left. We just got him in the twilight of his career. Not when he was in Denver. He was a pro bowler in Denver and then a pro bowler again when he went to San Diego at the time. It was just we happened to get him... We got him five years too late. You know, we had the opportunity to get him instead of Matt Khalil. We got Matt Khalil. So, I mean, in some ways, I think like a a, a long in the tooth Russell Okung, who has at that point beca- had struggled with injuries. I just don't think it's fair to say that Russell Okung couldn't play left tackle when he was a Pro Bowl left tackle. But is it really out of the realm of possibility for people to believe that Taylor Moulton might just end up being the best option that we have at left tackle on the football team? No, it's not out of the realm of the possibility. They wouldn't be trying. I mean, but Steve Smith even talked about the difficulty in, you know, changing positions. And for the last five days on Twitter, I've I've seen people cry and complain about, uh, offensive line not being inter, uh, you know interchangeable parts uh, despite us always interchanging them as the season goes on I mean I think it's not I mean it I understand that it's definitely different and normally you don't want to ask a, a legitimate badass right tackle to move but I think in this day and age versatility is everything and I think Taylor Moten is down to do it he even said in the interview that he's been preparing to do it since before training camp, he's been taking reps at left tackle. He says that having guys like Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick going after him all the time is obviously good for his growth, and it's helping him to learn the position better. And I honestly think that it's it's going to happen. Maybe Cam Irving is going to be a starter, but I, I, I just believe in my bones that Taylor Moten is going to be our left tackle this year. And I think they want Brady Christensen to – at least compete for that right tackle spot. It was nice to see him play in right tackle rather than right guard. Yeah. Yeah. He, but, but they even had him at left and guard and he like, he, he was definitely better at tackle than he was at guard. And I, I would be interested too. to see if they, why don't, didn't he play left tackle in college? Uh, 
Yeah, Christensen played left tackle at BYU. I wonder why they aren't. Is there a reason that they didn't try him at left tackle today over Trent Scott? I'm hearing arm length, but again, to me, the whole arm, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me because apparently it's a really big deal amongst coaches at the left tackle position. And I understand why it's not lost on me. It's, it's important to have long arms, but um, that's one of the reasons that I'm hearing that they want to put Brady Christensen on the right side. Um, it, you know, again, I don't know how much truth there is to that, but a lot of people were saying, why not let Brady at least have some reps at left tackle yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah, why, yeah I, I don't think anyone would, would, would be opposed to that. I, I hope they do it. If you're going to play him at left guard, well, then fucking slide him over one more time and see if he can hold it down on the left. He has an elite get-off. His kick set is really, really good. Um, I know people are talking about the run blocking uh, being poor in this game and really the run defense, but before we get to that, I'll tell you one person who, play, who again – uh, I think is going to struggle to make this team is Greg Little. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think so. I mean, I mean he played. He played with the bums. He played with yeah. the bums, and they were still really bad. Like, it, it wasn't like, like he bum. added anything to that. Yeah, he looked like a bum amongst bums. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, note on the. I wouldn't be. I, I'm not overly concerned uh, about the run defense at this point, uh, given that we did not have anybody. Um, in the second and uh, the, at the linebacker or, or the second level playing today, that's going to start. Right. So I just, uh, now it is concerning if we have some linebackers go down because we, I, I, mean, I couldn't tell you one name at the linebacker position on that played today. Well, that I, I, I couldn't tell you one name. I don't feel like the linebackers like were an asset at all either. Like it felt like they were absolutely a liability in my opinion. There were yeah. a couple of good I'm, plays, but they just did not. I did not feel like these guys were out there just breaking up plays left and right, calling out the offense, which, again, a lot of these guys were just signed a few days ago. So, Sure, sure. But it, it really, um, I think I I was on vac- I went, went on vacation to Cancun. The snake nest is what it actually translates to in my end um, this past week. But I peeked at y'all's show title and uh, about the lack of depth. Right. And I think the linebacker core is a position group right here where we can see that right away. First of all, they're kind of, I wouldn't say quite, we, I'm very hype about um, Hassan Reddick. And I I think there's going to be a lot of opera, like a a lot of good things are coming out of it. So I'm very optimistic on him, on him. Um, But throughout his career, they've struggled in Arizona to find out how to appropriately use him. And to me, it seemed like when he was having success last year, he's more used as a stand-up Russian kind of defensive end, you know, that they called a linebacker. Yeah. I think the pressure is on Shaq. This team, they love Shaq more than – this coaching staff loves Shaq more than anybody, especially more than me. If Shaq Thompson – Shaq Thompson not only needs to play pr- pretty damn well this season, he's got to stay healthy. And I'm not saying like he had, you know, actually, I think early in his career, he struggled with some injuries, but it's just this is imagine if Shaq, it's already going to be bad enough if Shaq ain't great. If he's absent, good Lord, what are you going to do? Yeah, our our linebacker depth is, <laughs> the, I named the Friday podcast Panthers depth chart is shallow. 
And yeah, that's uh, what that's the one I saw was on from yeah. Friday. That's right. Yeah, and it, our linebacking core right now is not um, is not very deep. And uh, again, you have to even consider guys like Lou and and Christian Miller. Like those guys were more pass rushers and blitzers than 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 anything. Uh, you know, um, uh, Hassan Reddick's primary role is going to be more of an edge rusher type. Uh, and we're going to have him standing up more. So I can also see him being used a lot on third downs. Um, but that's why I thought it was really important for somebody to step up like a YGM or a Christian yeah. Miller, somebody to be able to hold up on that end of the defensive line and really set up um, a strong physical run. Because even from that position, like Hassan Reddick, he's not the biggest guy in the world. So right. him against uh, – you know, a big tight end or even, you know, a left tackle, you know, those aren't advantageous matchups for him. So um, I really think our linebacker depth is a concern right now. And listen, let's just keep it a butt, man. Like a lot of us have been very disappointed in Shaq and that he isn't more that he is. And he's such an important part of our defense right now, seeing as how he's one of our most tendered veterans. He's the de facto leader of this defense, you know, and yep. You want to say maybe Jeremy Chen has stepped into that, but they asked Steve Smith. Brian on the Burns. Podcast. I think Brian Burns could easily. I think it's Brian Burns. Is I think we should start saying that. Is that well, Brian I Burns think, is the leader of this defense? I think they want it to be Shaq Thompson, and you know I, I I have no doubt that he is a vocal moral leader, but uh, you know I I don't think that he's a full time inside linebacker, and that's what we're really needing right now. The fact that we haven't seen Perriman is also a problem because, again, we just don't know what we're going to have from him. But, you know, you were talking about Cam Irving. Like, we brought Cam Irving to be a really important part of our offensive line. But I think in the same light, Denzel Perryman was brought in to be a really important part of this linebacker uh, core. And until we see him out there and what he can do, we're just kind of left guessing at yeah, what we really true. have at that position. And when we got when we had uh, guys on from the Charger Chat podcast, they they kind of highlighted Perryman's inability to stay healthy as being one of the you know the downsides to him is pass coverage type liability and being not staying healthy. Guys, we're going to move on to the next call, but uh, don't forget we got to come back to Terrence Marshall Jr. Uh, oh, before sure. this show is over, the number's 252-228-5098. Let's hear what you guys thought about this preseason game. Smash the thumbs up button, folks. Hey, um, I think Tommy Trimble did real good. I was very disappointed with the offensive line, except for uh, Brady Christensen, who I think should start at right tackle. Um, I wasn't really impressed with Chuba Hubbard, but it was one game, and he he – he can't run through a hole that ain't there. So um I also was impressed with Slice or not Slice, excuse me, Sky Smith's big catch. Um, oh yeah. yeah. I really don't think we need three quarterbacks on the roster. Maybe put one on the practice squad or get a younger guy on the practice squad. Uh defensive wise, um I still think we need issues at offensive line, but I'm not so much worried about safety as I was. I think we've got some young safeties who need a chance. Um, to start in place of uh, Burroughs. Uh, and uh, we definitely need another kicker. So have a good one. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I agree with almost every point of that, Cole. 
Yeah, he, uh, that was actually, uh, it sounds like he was in our, all of our brains uh, on that call. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I think I like, I, I think Sam Franklin's played pretty damn well uh, in the moments his number's been called. Uh, so I'm hoping that that's going to be cool, good enough depth behind yeah. um, Justin Burris. But I also think this is that, you know, we just didn't see, we were out here actually, Steve Smith said on that broadcast that the defense was the advantage of this team. Right. I mean, he said that at one point is that this defense has the potential, you know, is going to be the heavy hitter of this team. And that's funny because the defense did play pretty darn well today. But what also is missing is that we didn't have any of the guys on offense who are going to be playing on Sundays playing or any of the guys on defense who are going to be playing, really. Right. So if if that's the defensive product we're putting out there and it was pretty dang good in those first one and two quarters, first and second quarter. I'm really optimistic about the defense when you throw in the heavy hitters like Jeremy Chin and Brian Burns and Derek Brown. All of a sudden, I think that defense is going to look so much more explosive and dominant. And can we? But I don't don't want to sleep on that offense either, folks. Don't worry. Is that we didn't see? Uh, hopefully, who is our starting quarterback? That's going to work out in Sam Darnold. We didn't see Robbie Anderson. We didn't see DJ Moore. We didn't see um Christian McCaffrey or Dan Arnold. Right. I say So I, I think, think there's some a, a complete different team on Sundays than what we saw today and that is what the preseason's about. And keep in mind we went up against a lot of their ones too. Like not every one of their ones, but like they had Marlon Mack in, they had Paris Campbell in. I mean they yep. it wasn't like we were going up against their their second string either. Everybody wants to compare apples to apples. Our defense was going up against their ones, except for their quarterback and maybe, you know, T.Y. Hilton and whatnot. Um, and maybe a few others, but. And the the line, part, probably their linemen, which is actually yeah. in shambles since they lost their right. left tackle. Yeah, now. exactly. Uh, and so, I mean, there's still some value that we were able to, you know, go up against those guys. And and when we had that one play where uh, Campbell was over, like able to get a, a ball over, like a beautiful pass. I mean, it was, again, it was, these guys are. Uh no, Ma- Marlon Mack is definitely their first stringer, right? He's their their no friend. no. It's Jonathan Taylor, it's Jonathan Taylor, then Naeem Hines, then Marlon Mack. Oh, it, it was Mack at one point. There was their first string, right? Yeah, but that yeah, it was a while back, and then he struggled with um, injuries. Injury. Uh, okay. Yeah, because I think Marlon Mack was he for an Alabama player? I can't remember. I think he might have been an Alabama Campbell, player. Who was their number sure two wide receiver then? Because I'm pretty sure I thought Paris Campbell was their number two. T.Y. Hilton and I don't know. I don't know. They probably, who knows? Actually, somebody in the chat room will get it. Um, I, but I just think we didn't see, um, you know, we got so many very important and explosive players that we didn't right. see today. I mean, and, and that is to be expected. And I do like what Cody was saying with the coaching staff, just not playing them at all in this game. And I'm really uh, not even that opposed to not playing them at all, all preseason long. You know what I mean? I don't mind. I I would love that. I'd rather knock the rust off on the first couple of possessions of a real game than in uh, one, you know, what we always saw is this, is that when you went out there and they would put them in the third, uh, I always hated when they would put them in um, the second preseason game or the for one series. Yeah. And then that would be it. I was like, really, does that really help you that much? 
one series, right? And then if you didn't just look super sharp, right? If you missed one pass or if you got, uh, uh, you know, a run stopped right away, then the question was, well, we now next week we need to get more series in, right? And then you would be like, well, now we got to play a whole half or we're going to see Cam Newton playing into the third quarter. Right. I am, if anything, I would be happy if they played them one quarter in the third preseason game and then that's it. Yeah, I mean, I like what it does for our depth. I like that we get to see a bunch of guys go out there and get to play a lot of football. I mean, these are guys that at a moment's notice are going to have to come in and be starters for us. And Matt Rule has said before and during his post-game press conference that he doesn't look at this as a preseason game. He looks at it as the Panthers are playing. And you're playing football, and you should be going out there and bust your ass playing football for this team. And overall, I was impressed with the effort today. Um, you know, I, I think overall today was a good day. I think there was more to be happy about than there was to be upset about. I think that we've seen a lot of guys um, take a good step um, in, in the right direction, which is all you can ask for. Uh, we still have, you know, a, two more weeks for sure. Um, and we're going to have some more some more games. And eventually we're going to be playing the Ravens too, uh, and who also have a very good defense. So, you know, I, I'm liking where our, where our team is at right now. I, I continue to fall more and more in love with the picking of Terrace Marshall Jr. Uh, I think that he is. Well, you were in love with it from the beginning, so I don't even want to hear it. I mean, like you were in love from no, the beginning. No, How can no, you no, fall you more in love than being uh-huh. heads over heels? No, I mean. No, I'm, I'm, I wasn't head over heels. I was really impressed on what he could do, but I, I, I'm telling you, training camp and now this game, I mean, you know, you uh, knocked him for his uh, runaway speed here. Dude. And I do think he kind of let off the gas, but great block. By Brady Christensen recorrecting his feet, giving PJ time to throw the football. PJ steps up and delivers a dime. And, you know, I think he kind of throttled down on this, too. I don't think that's Terrace Marshall at full speed. But listen, I think that the Panthers are going to fall in love with this man's catch radius. Sure. Uh, he, he has the ability to go up and high point the football. He's an aggressive hands catcher. That's another thing. He, he's not a body catcher. He doesn't let the football come to him. He has really good hands. And, you know, I think he was also open a lot of times today, and the quarterbacks just didn't target him. And I think that over the course of the season – Well, they, I think they really tried to work him into the game too, though. You know, I think they tried to work him into the game plan. Yeah, He was the, the guy that they said, man, let's get him the ball. The most impressive part about that, that, that part right there is – his awareness of the scramble drill. Like that wasn't his route. Like he knew what he was paying attention and he knew as a rookie that he needed to go ahead and maybe uh, force himself to be open for a nice little, you know, uh, outlet for, uh, for PJ Walker. Uh, And he just like, he just was able to just blow that coverage all to all get out. I mean, the coverage wasn't bad initially and PJ Walker was able to like, you know, escape. And because uh, Terrace Marshall was able to actually see that he was able to do his scramble drill and was able to get wide open. Uh, it was a beautiful play. I think I was most, I, regardless of the actual, um, the catch or the pass or the most impressive part about that was his, just his awareness. In my opinion, I wanted to see if I saw, if he would have taken that, that play to the house, Cody, 
and he showed me that kind of runaway speed, and then I would be sitting here going, because by the way, I drafted him in my dynasty fantasy league, <laughs> not for this year, but for next year when we do not have Robbie Anderson. Somebody put this up that the more Terrence Marshall plays, the less Robbie is needed. I think that's going. I think that's premature. I think that's two steps down the road. I think Robbie Anderson is an important part of this offense this season. I don't think. He's but what I am this year, right? Right. This season, I don't think it will be because he's going to probably cost us too much money and we're going to probably be cycling the money elsewhere. But what I am excited about here is, is I think that when we get in the red zone, that you're going to see three receiver sets of DJ, Robbie and Terrence Marshall Jr. And then Dan Arnold out there. And then I think that Dan Arnold and Terrence Marshall Jr. bring you the size and presence in the red zone that DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson don't. Right. Is that and then I think you're going to see one thing, though, from Robbie Anderson this year that you didn't see last year. And that's the home run balls. Yeah. Right. Is that yeah. Robbie Anderson, if anything, uh, overplayed his uh, what we wanted him to do last year when they made he became a possession receiver because of his quarterback. Right. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. I, and I think Terrence, we just didn't. I think Terrence Marshall Jr. is a good fit to the puzzle, you know, a good balance. I've always talked about the need for complementary players, right? And, you know, Robbie Anderson is a skinny mini, right? He's as skinny as they come. DJ Moore is not as strong. He's a Steve Smith guy type player, right? Big, strong, aggressive, but he doesn't have the natural height to be, you know, just kind of when, when the field shortens, it becomes easier for defenders to defend, Right. And I think that Terrence Marshall Jr. adds a nice spice or a compliment to that. I'm excited about him. And I am getting higher and higher and higher on him each day, Cody. I am. I'm just not saying that this year I expect him to be a thousand yard receiver. Okay. Well, That's it. You, like uh, I think if he has, I think he'll finish the uh the season with like somewhere around five hundred and fifty yards and maybe something upwards of Five touchdowns. Oh, I'd say more than five. I think it's going to be a red zone. I, I, I can see him in the seven to eight touchdown range. Okay. I mean, and, I could see it, but it just uh, the opportunity has to be there. Man, I, I think Dan, you, I wanted to ask you too, because I know you and I have been kind of fighting on this. What did you think about my boy Shai Smith? I think he made a uh, badass catch. Right, right uh, like the the footsteps. He heard the footsteps coming, and he still pulls it down. And gets <laughs> rocked. Gets rocked. It is nice. And there was a play um, not long after that where he was uh, in the slot, and uh, D- and even uh, Smitty said this is that Shy Smith. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the slot here. Then he goes and he's wide open immediately. Now, P.J. Walker was under duress immediately in that play. So it didn't pan out. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm excited about these players. I just want to a kind of calm expectations of rookies. That's it, is that yeah. I don't like us getting down. All right, if I'm trying to calm expectations, it's partially because I don't want us to overly get down on players too quickly. I thought at first that we did this a little bit on Troy pride jr. But now going into his second seat, you know, the second season uh, and an opportunity for him to step up and be a big player. He got smoked today. Now he is hurt now and it's a different story. So 
If Terrence Marshall Jr. comes out with 350 yards and two touchdowns, I'm not going to see it as a bad thing right. right away. You know, I want it to be more. And if Shai Smith doesn't really make a giant impact on this team, I'm not going to write him off as a poor player right away. That's what I'm kind of trying to temper the expectations when it comes to um, these players. Brady Christensen, you know, is that it's, yes, it's exciting that he – played well at right tackle today. Um, but I want to see him, what he can do in his second and third year. Unlike like Greg little is trending the wrong direction. Yeah. Right. So, so that's my, that's my kind of point is I, I just don't know. I, I, I just want to say calm the talk on Terrence Marshall jr. Taking Robbie Anderson's spot this season. And uh, Matt rule has even said that we know who our guys are there. We feel confident in those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and real quick, shout out to, uh, hey, man, this is essentially my co-host on the Friday Free For All. He's been there for every single one of them. My brother, Nick, he said, happy we were able to, happy we were able to see guys that have had zero or next to no snaps in the past. Any of those guys stand out and possibly start in your eyes. Keep pounding everybody. Appreciate you, Nick. Uh, I've already kind of made my feelings known. Did anyone? I mean, Tony already made his known too. He said none of these guys were were starters, but not um, day one starters. You know, is that I like? You know, even K.K. Short. Yeah. All right. Uh, Terrence Marshall Jr. Right. I could yeah. see yeah, like number um, three slot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is um. But, you know, when they put the starting lineups out, they only put two wide receivers usually. You know, the left. You know, is that? Um, I think Tremble. I don't think he's going to be, you know I mean? I think they're only going to list one tight end as a starter. And I think it's going to be Dan Arl. I think he solidified that. Um, I think it was not guys with zero reps that impressed. It was the guys. Um, I think um, Stanley Oliver Thomas played w- Stanley well today. Thomas, yeah. yeah. Thank you. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm high on Sam Franklin. I always think he's played pretty well in limited moments. Um, Brady Christensen. Cody thinks Brady Christensen is the day one starter. I don't know if it's a day one starter, but it is nice to see him perform pretty well in his yeah. first uh, game. And it's also pretty well uh, interesting because a lot of people said that that was a poor pick. Yeah. The Christensen pick? Yeah. there. Were, I mean, yeah. there's a vocal group of people who said that he's overrated. Yeah, everybody in the four-man rush. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were fighting on the in the in the chat room before yeah. this too. Hey, listen, I, I I like to call my call my shots. So again, I also want to clarify. I don't know if Brady Christensen is going to be the day one starter at right tackle. You what I'm saying is that it's going to happen this season, and I'm betting on it happening happening much sooner than later. And by the I way, see that. I also reserve the ability to change that opinion. After these next few games, if I think that I'm continuing to see uh, progress from Brady Christensen, then yeah, I might just say I think that's the way it's going to be before uh, before the season starts. I have a question though. Th- okay. Yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, because I, you know, we're talking about this, uh, who we think is going to be starting. Uh, is Ian Thomas worked his way into being one of the t- like? Is there a reason he wasn't playing today? Ooh, great question. So I don't yeah, th- I believe he's Ooh. listed. 
Let me pull up the depth is chart. Is it they have, I think the depth chart they have tight end one and tight end two. Do they have Ian Thomas in the tight end two uh position? They got to. And if if it is uh if it is that he is the number two tight end based on a two tight end set, wouldn't it still have made sense to have him in there today? Yeah, I th- he hasn't proven enough to not be not out play. There. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's yeah, I would, I would, I would think he would be a guy that um, could use some reps too. So, uh, yeah, so no, he's listed as a starter for us. He's listed as our starting right tight end, and it was weird. And I mentioned this on the Friday free for all too that I thought it was kind of confusing and weird that they listed left tight end and right tight end, uh, but they they did. Uh, Ian Thomas is listed as a starter, so. I guess that was the reason why they didn't play him today, but um, it's not what I would have done. I, I wanted to see some more right. of him, but right. maybe maybe he they consider him to be a very um, um, important part of this offense going I mean, forward. The thing that's interesting is they've got Colin Thompson, right? That's the other guy. Um, he is uh, he's behind Dan Arnold, right? He's the number uh, two behind left. Colin Thompson. Is uh, he's number two behind Ian Thomas, all right, and Tommy Trimble is number two behind uh, Dan Arnold. So I feel like Colin, we have seen more of what he's capable of doing than we've seen from Ian. I feel like we have less to prove from Colin than we do from Ian. So why wasn't I feel like Ian should very clear? I mean, I know, I don't even know who Colin is. I mean, I don't really know. He's he's been he's been on the team for a little bit now. I mean, it's. Yeah, yeah he, I, I, man, he's not uh, been like he's not like a, a an impact player or anything like that. I think he is more of that blocking specialist type tight end that's not really going to offer much along the lines of like helping from the blocking game, but yeah, uh, or helping from the uh, passing game. But yeah, it, I feel like I would have much rather have seen Ian Thomas than Colin. If I'm, I, I don't think that he is uh, like a super protected starter, Ian Thomas. But yeah. I don't know if. Um, him getting hurt would be helpful to this team at this point. Like is that they kind of need him to be a body there. We don't need to put too much pressure on Trimble too early. Let's go ahead and shout out this love bomb from the man that was here. Thoughts on the bye week. He says coming at week 13 injuries and such Smitty brought it up during the game. I don't know, but towards the end I saw. um, Okay. So let's just address that first and then we'll get to the other end of the comment. Um, as the game won, and, and it went on as you saw, um, I think he was talking about it with the Troy pride, yeah. uh, injury is that as the season, you're going to get guys that not only get nicked up, uh, get banged up and becomes problematic. Um, the placement of the bye week seems to be advantageous at times for certain teams. 13 might be a little too late, but I'd rather have 13 than four week five. Exactly. Or four. I, I think it's important. And I reason I say that is the addition to that extra game at the end of the season. I think right. that uh, I think having a break there at 12 is probably going to be very helpful, especially for that very tough, ra- tough, tough final stretch that we have. Like, our final five games are not easy. Yeah, uh, like the final eight. I would like to see the NFL move to two-by system. I thought they would. Yeah, is that, and for me, is this, is that um, 
you know, you kind of get this talk in the NBA about this is that when they shorten the seat there, you know, they want to shorten the NBA season um, because the first is too many games. Uh, second is that, you know, you start to see them strategically resting star players throughout the season. And then they talk about like, what if you, uh, the Lakers come and you buy tickets at Charlotte to the game and then LeBron James doesn't play at all. And that's part of the reason you went. So you want to see the players, the stars play. I think the buy, a two buy system might help us just weather injuries more as a, as any organization and you get, keep the players that matter the most healthier longer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. And I think that benefits the product, right? Doesn't that benefit the product when you. 100%. I think um, so. I I, I love this preseason setup. And by the way, we got to shout out. uh, Apparently this is Frank Reich's idea. Like it was something that he kind of introduced them to. And the Panthers were like, yeah, we love it. At least that's how Steve Smith on the broadcast uh, made it sound. He gave a lot of credit to the coach of the Colts for this um, idea and this mindset too. Um, and, and by the way, for a what lot mindset? Of people, what mindset is that? Well, like the, of be, having preseason be your your twos and threes. And, oh and that yeah, way, yeah, yeah. And that way, they, that way they've got a bigger script. You're uh, preserving the health of your of your starters, but also during training camp like when they're doing joint practices your starters are getting a ton of reps so it's not like they're losing out they're getting more during um during joint practices together but that game time is dedicated directly to the backups showing their stuff but also emulating more of a real game environment with a real script you're not in there for a couple plays like a lot of those guys were out there all day and we have a bunch of film on these guys. And by the way, I've been someone that has been saying the Panthers are in desperate need of preseason games just because we have so many uncertainties. Um, well, at, and we're you know, so young. Chart too. We're yeah. so young. I mean, even the players that we're going to be counting on this season as being stars. Look, JC Horn didn't play today. Um, and not that I, I actually don't have a problem with that either. Like if J.C. Horn gets hurt in the preseason, this secondary is going to be a mess before it gets started, right? And one other thing is that some of these great uh, some of the players, it's very hard to know how to turn it on and off. And sometimes taking your foot off the gas actually pro- gets you hurt even more so in some ways, like playing scared. But I don't know if you guys remember uh, Steve Smith broke an arm or a leg in a preseason game. Uh, um, a long time ago and it was like it derailed like the 2007 season right away or something you know is that he broke broke his leg or arm i can't remember which one it was uh and you know what he was doing he was f- jumping over a player in a meaningless game trying to get out of bounds or something right so i don't really have a problem with that oh high praise from smitty today for jc horn um not only was he talking about the pedigree but he said that he uh, looked like a bigger Chris Gamble. Yeah. And he said that the Panthers hadn't had a Chris Gamble since Chris Gamble. So I think that that, that's kind of high praise. The best cornerback in Panthers history is he's comparing him to uh, the silhouette, he said, and the kind of light on his feet type play. 
that he has. So I thought that was high praise for someone that Steve Smith, I don't feel like overly doles out praise for p- players. Right. Right. Like, I mean, he t- he calls it like he sees it. All right, let's go to the next call. Hey, guys, it's Joey. What up, Joey? I'm finally glad I got to watch some Panthers football, and I know it's only preseason, and I know, you know, people shouldn't get freaked out about things like this, but uh, Will Greer is Will Greer. Nothing new there. Nothing good there either. Uh, people that uh, played real good, Chuba Hubbard. Um... Uh, Kenny Robinson played like a beast. Uh, a lot of people at Terrace Marshall even played good today. But, um, yeah, not much. I, I just, I mean, I kind of, I mean, Troy Pride did some things occasionally last year. And, like, he got smoked today for him to get hurt because. Maybe he would improve this year. He didn't so, need to get hurt, that's for sure. And Trent Scott was a penalty machine. Oh, and that thing where the refs were like, um, where the ref was, uh, that one call we had, uh, false start, everybody but the center. That, that, that was, yes, uh, that was legendary. That was, that's the best one. Doesn't that fall on the center at that point? Uh, anyway. And, uh, oh, I know J.C. Horn, to the best of my knowledge today. Didn't hear his name. Yeah, no starters. P.J. Walker played good. Sorry, I'm late. You might have already discussed this, but uh, I had I just got back from the official grocery store of the Carolina Panthers. So, Air anyway. Only buy what's on sale, Harris Teeter. That's the way I call it. Um, uh, You know, I thought uh, some cool things we saw today. I think, look, is I think the wide receiver core has been already identified. I think it, it, I mean, obviously, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall Jr. I think David Moore was, was returning punts and played pretty well today. So that's four. And I think five is Shy Smith. And I think that's all we keep. Say say that that lineup one more time. DJ? Yeah. Robbie? Yeah. Terrence? Yeah. Terrace, yeah. Terrace. Terrace. Thank you. Yeah. Actually, I would have been saying that wrong forever. Terrace. Like, uh, yeah. stand out on the Terrace Marshall Jr. Yeah, um, that's it. I had to learn the hard way. People corrected me on Twitter. David Moore, which is four. And then Shy Smith. Shy Smith. All right. Maybe Brandon Zilstra. Yeah, he'll probably maybe Zilstra. Maybe. If you keep six, Zilstra. Teams. Well, David Zilstra. Moore, I think, is going to be the special teams returner, right? Like that's the his game. Like that's gonna be. I was where hoping he... Shy Smith was gonna do some of that stuff. Um, that's a great question. Is they say Trent uh, is it Trent Cannon? Trenton uh, Cannon. Trenton Cannon. He was supposed yep. to be the kick the return the kickoff returner. Um, in fact, um, Matt Rule had a lot of praise for him being like their best special teamer, he said. Yeah, and then during training camp, too, Chuba uh, Hubbard had some good uh, kickoff returns against the Colts. There was one that he took to the house, 
And then the very next one, he had a 50-yarder too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I agree with that wide receiver core right. more or less. Um, you know, again, I also think that they want to keep six or seven offensive linemen too just to have meaningful depth so that way Sam has that cushion of, of you know, guys that he can depend on. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think there's a lot of guys that are, you know, that have been talked up, but inevitably they're, they're going to end up finding their way off of this football team or potentially yeah. on the practice squad. That being one of them, I think Omar Bayless um, is a guy that I, I can see us wanting to keep on the practice squad. Uh, maybe Brandon Zilstra. Again, I don't really think these guys made the team or are a meaningful contributor to um, any of our offense this year. I think that you keep you keep six wide receivers when you're concerned about your wide receivers. You keep seven wide receivers when you have no idea what to do at wide receiver. And a lot of teams run into the season with five wide receivers, and I think they got it pre- pretty clearly carved out. So it will be. You know, the bubble is going to be between Bayless and Zilstra. And I hate to say it, uh, Bayless, isn't he a rule guy? I think he's a former Temple player. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, here's here's uh, how have we not talked about it? And uh, you know, Stephen and Chat stole my thunder here because I was going to bring this up. The most important, the most important battle in camp, the Long Snappers played today, and uh, you know, who, know. Who, and the boy didn't Steve Smith fan the fire on that? <laughs> yeah, but dude, everybody was. That was a big time play, though. I mean, he got that uh, that uh, punt return, that fumble recovery, uh, which yeah. was actually pretty, uh, you know, helpful. But I tell you what, like when you see even in that uh, the 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 energy JJ Jansen brings, like even with that very close, you know, field goal attempt that we had, where we you know came right inside. Uh, luckily, um, like he was just like he was the most excited person on the team for us to make that uh, field goal. Um, so I don't know if you give up that level of like leadership that I think that he, he offers. I know it's silly to think about that from the long snapper perspective, but, um, I, like I said, it's hard to say, man, it's hard to say. I, um, I actually was surprised they played JJ Jansen today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is that teams is immune to the no starters though. Really? Yeah, I think they're immune to it because I think everybody that played. Well, man, I'm surprised we didn't send Brian Burns down. Oh, yeah, Ron Rivera would have sent Brian Burns down there, I know, there right? as a gunner. I yeah. know, bro. Um, I think some of the other teams have been playing some of their play uh, starters. Have did? Oh did, yeah, for sure. A lot of did them. Did New have. England play Cam? Did New yeah. England play Cam? Yeah, Cam played. And then he gets he got sacked by uh, the big time defensive end from Chase Young. I oh, think yep, in yep, that yep. game, he got, or unless that was a practice, got, I was in I was in Mexico no, watching no, yeah, on Twitter. He got, he got rocked by Chase Young. I don't think there is a. Um, I don't know. That would be interesting to see. Is that this uh, the what the is it Thomas Fletcher or Fletcher Thomas? Thomas Fletcher. Uh, Thomas Fletcher. Thomas. I think he's going to have to do a lot in this camp to beat out JJ. Right. Right. Um, but I mean, I at just, the same time as drafting him there to put him on the pa- practice squad, I don't know. I don't know. As do you can you, save a little money if you get rid of J.J. Jansen. Exactly. I mean, that's the part that I wonder about. I mean, we're coming to – do we want to have another circumstance where, you know, and we're not in the same situation because Gano was never like an incredible long snapper. J.J. Jansen has been 
like one of the best in the league if you had to put you know a number to it um for his entire career but i mean same concept do we want to let you know thomas fletcher go and then you know he turns out to be one of the best long snappers in the league the next jj jansen the next jj or the next butker you know the butker thing (laughs) still turned out to be uh, i thought and and i think if um if i was like cody's always auditioning to be gm and where i would uh, back you cody on one thing that i think would be your greatest asset Mm-hmm. as a gm is you got the nuts to do it you yeah. got the balls to make the decision that isn't that is somewhat uncomfortable yeah and i thought that letting go of butker for gano was the safe decision right like oh you know it's not gonna yeah. we know it's not but it wasn't the ballsy one and then right having the guts to go with your instinct is uh, is important and um i don't know if this i think jj jansen like you said been better than gano gano had one good year for us in 2015 maybe two good years for us and he had one good year with the giants last year and other than that he has been a story of up and down up and down right um so I don't know if it's the same comparison like you said, but um, maybe have the guts to do it if you're going to do it. But it right. is a lot. I mean, uh, is and I almost don't know if cutting J.J. Jansen is really worth it either, though. So I that's mean, why I think so many people knocked the pick in the first place. It is because you're going to get to this. Then you're yeah. going to put him on the practice squad. Then the damn Washington Redskins well, are going to come poach him. They also picked him over Trey Smith. Or Washington football uh, team. They also picked him over Trey Smith, the right guard for Tennessee, uh, who I was really, really high on. And apparently now he's already a starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, yeah. Oh, I think this, I saw something about him shining in their camp or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was in love with Trey Smith. That would have been a day one starter at guard. I had him ranked inside my top 100 players. He fell all the way to, like, the the sixth round or something crazy like that. And and we took Thomas Fletcher over him. Yeah, listen. I don't I'm think sorry. we got Thomas Fletcher till the seventh, though. He was, like, the last, almost, like, the second to last pick of the draft. Yeah. Point being, if we have him and it's le- and he can do the job, yeah, I'm sorry, cut JJ, man. Like we're doing something new here. I yeah. want to be able to have more money on our team for us to be able to potentially fill out some holes in the middle of the season if we feel like we have right. a good team. But we want to bring in some other players to kind of bolster the roster right now. I lied, Jared Allen in 2015 when you brought him in. So. You know, I, I like having the money to spend. And if you drafted him and if he's good, then, yeah, let him let him do his thing. Other than that, it was a wasted pick. OK, um, that was the six. It was the six round two twenty two. God, is yeah, that how we, many picks there are before it gets to the six? Yeah, yes, there's a lot. You got to think it's yes. thirty two teams, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, if we can get cheaper, younger, I say do it. Let's uh, finish the. Let's wrap. We'll go ahead and wrap the show up, guys. Um, oh, you guys want? Let's do this. Is uh, let's give a game ball away. Yeah. All right, yeah. All right. All right. Let's do it. All let's right. Do it. Um, game ball. Game ball goes to who wants to start? I'll go. All right. Do it, man. 
Uh, listen, um, I think that I would like to give my game ball to Marquise Haynes. I think that he made a big time play uh, and was able to not only do a strip sack, but actually recover it himself uh, as well. Um, yeah. I would like to see the replay to see if he was actually down by contact or not, because I think he could have taken that to the house if he if he wasn't. But I didn't see a replay to see if he was or not. But uh, uh, I'm giving it right. to him. He came in. He, like he had it. something to prove, and he, he he played to show it. I like it. Cody? I mean, listen, mine's pretty simple. Uh, I think you could probably guess who mine is. I'm going Brady Christensen, man. Oh, yeah. Like, listen, I, I go, don't like, – thought you were going to go Terrace. I mean, but yeah, but I, I expected Terrace to be good. Um, right. And we really didn't know what we had out of out of Brady Christensen. Now, listen, everybody wants to, you know, nitpick his game already. Whatever, dude. I think Brady Christensen had a damn good day today. I think that he just uh, took another step forward into working his way into the starting rotation. And again, I'll shout it to the roof, dude. This is the hill that I'm dying on for the 2021 season. Taylor Moten is moving the left tackle, and I think Brady Christensen is going to work his way up and become our starting right tackle, and I think that's what the Panthers want. So, um, again, we'll see if that happens, but my game ball today definitely goes to number 70, Brady Christensen. Here are some names in the chat room. P.J. Walker, Marquise Haynes, uh, Shai Smith for a one catch. I mean, he only had one catch. Right. Sorry. Uh, Tremble, I think that's reasonable. I think Tremble showed uh, a lot of pen- yeah, potential today. Arms. Yeah, we never talked about dude. him either. Yeah, he um, has strong hands. Can I just say real real quick on, on Tremble, my only one thought on Tremble is that I feel like my inclination was correct on him. And the reason why they didn't, uh, why he didn't have more uh, receptions at Notre Dame is because they didn't really use him that much as a receiving tight end. And I do think that's going to change here in Carolina. I think we might. Have well, we better see up. a completely different offense than last year because we didn't have any tight ends that were receiving tight ends last year. Would you all be surprised if Tommy Tremble ends up kicking uh, Ian Thomas to the curb? No, I wouldn't. I be won't. surprised at all. I, I wouldn't saw, at all. I saw a much stronger performance out of uh, out of Tommy Tremble today than uh, than I think that Ian Thomas has ever shown in any preseason. Um, and, uh, that seems silly to say, but I think it's uh, reality. Um, I think it's important that I'm, I said, I acknowledge this because people were saying PJ Walker, PJ Walker had the most middle of the pack performance today that I've ever seen. Like, like if you're going to give a game ball away, you got to give it to somebody who excelled at what doing what they were doing. And PJ Walker was almost less than like barely over 50% completion rate. And he was able to get to the uh, red zone four times this in this. Now game. he started out so hot, it looked like man, PJ. Oh, so I wrote my notes originally. I was like, "Damn, PJ is damn good at football." And then I had to go change it. I had to go change in my notes that PJ started hot and then cooled off quickly. Right. Um, I I think this is. Uh, I don't want to take the thunder from these people because I think the people saying it in the chat room. I can't give my game ball to the people when they are giving better ideas than I had in the first place. <laughs> I like this. I uh, Steve Smith uh, deserves the game ball according to who put that put that back up. Jay Anderson put this up. A couple of also people are putting Pan- it on Pan- that. Yeah, Panthers rule too was saying it. Hundred um, percent agree. Uh, Rich, oh, Rich, Rich Kingston says big snack. That's a good one. Um, and I, I think Terrace Marshall Jr. I think that's a kind of like easy pick too. Uh, you know, I'm gonna come with. I'm coming out of left field since everybody is is giving you guys giving all these different 
wonderful answers. I don't want to just plagiarize them. I'm going Phil Snow. Hey, there you go. I think Phil Snow turns out to be right now the most like our best asset and the coaching staff so far. Yeah. You know, and I I don't want to knock Joe Brady. It's not a Joe Brady knock and it's not a Matt rule knock either. You know, it's just, I see this defense getting better last season. They got better week to week to week to week. I think that with not having any of your players out there today, I thought the defense looked pretty formidable. Uh, I don't think they looked out of place or, you know I mean? There wasn't a lot of big plays. There was one play where the nickel corner got burnt by Paris Campbell. Right. Um, And then Troy pride started getting picked on at the end, but I like Phil snow. Yeah. I'm a Phil snow fan. I also was a bit concerned about how bad the the defense played there in the second half. Like we couldn't stop that that third string offense whatsoever. Like even not even once, like it was, it was very tough. Uh, situation to uh, to witness, but other than that, I thought Snow was very good. Yeah, uh, hit the like, people like the man that said, "All right, um, so we did the game ball." Um, that's it, right? Nothing yeah, else. I mean, uh, yeah, I think that's that's all for our uh, for our post game show. Unless you guys uh, have another player that stood out to you that uh, that we didn't cover. No, I don't think so. I think we're going to, I think what we're going to want to do is continue to do is look at what happens with this off. Actually, let's finish the show with this. What do you see? What do you want to see next week that builds on this performance? Right. Um, And I'll go ahead and start out. And I want to see, I got two things. I want to see how they, how Chuba Hubbard recovers from an up and down game, if he gains confidence or loses confidence, right? Or if they, uh, if they gain confidence in him, particularly in that passing aspect of the game. And the other one I have is this, I'm going to start watching that Brady Christensen, Trent Scott competition. Those are my two things. Those are the two things that I'm just going to be focusing on next week. What do they do with Brady Christensen? Is he going to be, all on the right, or do they start to explore some different things with him? And I'm a little stunned they didn't try it today at all. So they, they didn't ever put him at left tackle, but he definitely did have some reps at guard today. Um, he has some good ones and some bad ones, too, uh, from the guard position. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely something. I mean, hell, you already know I'm – uh, I, I know you're all in on it. I know you're all yeah. in on him, but is that like, what do we do? Does his performance that heartened us or, you know, kind of that optimism that we kind of gained today from his performance, does it solidify him as the right tackle? You know, like, Hey, let's keep him here and start working with this, with the idea of Cam Irvin potentially getting hurt and Taylor Moten playing on the left and then Brady Christensen stepping in there. Or do you start to think maybe this guy might be somebody you could put in at left tackle if needed? Yeah, I would like us to experiment with it. At okay. Least, you know. Um, All right. So, what do you want to see next week to build on this performance? Yeah, um, I would like to see some improved play um, from our defensive interior. I think our edge rushers did a good job, um, but I think outside of uh, um, uh, Rich from from uh, UK's 
uh, handball pick. Aside from Snacks, Big Phil Hoskins, I didn't necessarily see a lot to love from our defensive tackle positions. They were okay. You know, I felt like they, they even did good in in the run defense, but I really don't feel like they did a tremendous job getting a ton of pressure into the backfield. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to see more from our linebackers, man. I'm just going to continue to worry about this until I, um, I until agree. I see more from that. Our linebacker position right now is one of the weakest on our team. When I had been saying all along that it's safety, and it might not be safety. It might yeah. be that linebacker position. Did so, you see the Pittsburgh Steelers went out and got Joe Sherbert, Schobert, Schobert, yeah, whatever? Joe Sherbert. Yeah, I, I would have loved six, that. For a six. For a six. But dude. it does come with a hefty salary. It does. But at the same point, you know, wouldn't that have been worth it for us? Like, knowing how, how bad we're hurting at that position, at least you would have Perryman, um, Jermaine Carter Jr., and Joe Schobert. To add to that, like at least we would have had something. Wouldn't be and the worst. Only, yeah, and it's only a just think you pick. just traded Thomas Fletcher. They traded Thomas Fletcher for uh, Schobert, Schobert, whatever his name is. Yeah, it, dude, it could have been easy. And by the way, they, uh, Scott Fitterer is a guy who likes to trade back in the draft anyway. So we inevitably would have recovered that pick even if we did send it away. So, yeah, I, I wish that we would have done that. Um I don't know, man. There's there's still a lot of questions going uh going forward. We'll have to All see, right. I think I have an idea of what CK should say. But go ahead, CK. What do you want to see next week? Um, I I want to see uh it, it, the biggest thing is I want to see Will the same opp- I want to see Greer. the same opportunity given to Will Greer that uh that was given to PJ Walker. I, do I think he's going to do better than PJ Walker? I I don't know. I think it's very possible they're very similar in their performance. Um which makes it even harder for them to make a decision. Uh, if, if, you know, if he does the same things that PJ Walker does, you know, did this year or this week, then I think that uh, I would still prefer PJ Walker over top of him. Um, I would like to see him maybe do more uh, with what he's given. And so uh, next week will be a big opportunity. If he gets that shot that uh, based on the press conferences, that rule has given uh, at least from the show notes that I'm giving, or I'm reading up. Um, it seems as though that he, he intends to give, uh, Greer the same opportunity that that uh, PJ Walker had, and IE meaning that there is no real true first or second or third string yet until they see a, a, an equal opportunity given to both. All right, sounds good. All right, um, let's go ahead and get out of here, guys. I think that's yeah. enough on preseason game number one. Uh, this uh, you're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast, you can find it live on YouTube. Tuesday where and Facebook Live and Periscope slash Twitter. Uh Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Uh Friday nights, free for all with Cody Lashney. Um yes, and Nick Montiero, a lot of it sounds like. And um yeah. we will be doing the pre the post-game show as well throughout not only the preseason, but also uh throughout the season. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, hit the bell notification, hit a like, do me one solid, folks. Hit share to your timeline. Hit share to your Facebook feed, to your story, something. Is that the greatest thing you can do is just help us continue to get our name out there and build this great community that we're building. Don't forget the number is 252-228-5098. And you can be a part of the Discord chat as well throughout the week 
where everybody is rolling through these topics. Follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. Cody Lash, where can they get after you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Cody Lax, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. I also have content being put out still at drafttech.com where I write first and second round picks for the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans and potentially more this season. And as always, the Friday free-for-all is a real thing, ladies and gentlemen. Every Friday at 7 p.m., that's your show. Whatever you want the show to be about, you can come on and ask me, do you think that I have a bad opinion on the offensive line? Come tell me about it, man. That's your show. You can come in and you know let your opinion be heard live. I will be posting the link to the StreamYard in the description and in the chat of those shows. Um, it's a fun time, man. I think that show is going to continue to get bigger as we move into the season. And um, yeah, Nick Montiero and Kevin Boschoven, they've been uh, they've been uh, coming through every single time. The Bat Daddy has shown up two times in a row now, too. So that's awesome, yeah, man. That's Fantastic. Um, all right, and don't forget iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, we're there. Spotify, uh, find us there. Listen to the audio podcast again. Give ratings, whatever it can, just to help to continue to build the brand, build the name. Co- uh, CK, where can they find your work at? Uh, you can find me uh, again, pretty much everywhere. But uh, my main, uh, my main squeeze for streaming is going to be on Facebook uh, gaming. You can go look me up at Codizzle underscore Allen. Um, otherwise, I'm uh, tweeting mostly about uh, the Panthers, sometimes about gaming and whatnot. And if you guys are interested in, uh, you know, uh, you know anything uh, that I'm doing, feel free to hit me up as well. All right, um, that's it, guys. Until next, when when is the Panthers' next game? The Ravens is it next Saturday? When is it? Uh, I can pull it up real quick. Um, no, it's a. Uh, I believe it's on. I believe it's a Sunday. Oh, I got it right here. Hang on. Uh, it is eight twenty one, which is a Saturday. Yeah, it's a Saturday. Okay. All right. So it's, look it's a for late us one sa- too. Oh God. All right. Yeah, uh, no, our, our next two are late ones. Uh, how Ravens, late? Ravens seven. is seven, and uh, the Pittsburgh game is seven thirty. Okay, so the game I can will ha- be over. I like think 10. I can handle that. Yeah, I think I can handle that, and we'll keep I mean, it. We'll keep it, hopefully, as brief as possible. If we get to an eight thirty eight, if it was a nine o'clock game, I'd say let's just do it the next day. Uh, all right that's the c3 panthers podcast follow subscribe like do all that we all love y'all keep pounding uh we'll see you uh we'll see you tuesday friday and now saturday let's rock and roll take us out of here cody keep pounding for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.